So we're going to continue on our sermon series on evangelism. Um, my, my good friend and ministry uh, colleague Mark preached to you guys last week in a way that I can't. Um, he is amazing. He's going to be coming back for more on evangelism in the next few weeks. So we're going to want to hear from him as well. Uh, we also have a, another awesome uh, guest speaker coming in and speaking to us on evangelism as well in this next series. So this is wonderful. I went away this week. I went to, uh, I went to Lakeshore Pentecostal Camp where, uh, where I have a cottage and uh, what an amazing opportunity to go into a space where you're just surrounded by other Christians and live in community with them for a period of time. Uh, just so blessed for that. Um, if any of you need to and want to experience that, then uh, just talk to Valerie or myself. And there's a cottage in a fully Christian environment that has... It's, it's awesome, and we can make that available to you. That's whatever. That's just... Where, where we are. Um, but I was there, and I was carrying a lot of stress. I don't know if you guys have heard that we're still in negotiations about this building, and it's been stressful. Um, we, we had guests over at our cottage, and, uh, and, and we were talking, and, and as I started to just tease out a little bit of what's going on, I realized how much stress I've been carrying about this, and this sermon's not about that, but you need to know the context for it. And so I was stressing out, and I was like, oh, God, what are you going to do? And let me assure you, God has this in hand, okay? God has this in hand. But I didn't have it in hand. I wasn't okay. My board was like, they're, they're talking to me, and I'm on vacation, and all of a sudden they realize that I'm on vacation. They're like, what are you doing? Be on vacation. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was stressed. I went out to prayer room at the cottage, and uh, literally a whole room devoted to prayer. It's open 24-7, and it's just devoted to prayer. And I went to the prayer room, and I thought I was going to go pray about, you know, the church. Pray it through, you know, pray it until it's done. And the Holy Spirit just went, no, 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 it's done. Relax. Okay. What was the answer, God? I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I'm, I'm then in the prayer room going, what am I supposed to pray about? Now, you know that you've studied the Bible too long when the answer the Holy Spirit gives you isn't in English. Just like, oh, come on, seriously? There's the two words that God gave me. Literally wasn't in English. Caruso euangelion. Caruso euangelion. Just repeat it again and again and again in my heart. Caruso euangelion. Caruso is the biblical Greek word to proclaim. It's literally the loudmouth, the herald, the one who comes in and says, Here is the announcement. Caruso. You and Galeon, you right here is good. There's always going to actually. I can just bring it right up. Why not do that? You is good, and Galeon right here. This is 
the word that we get angel from. And it's also the word that we get message or messenger from. So the word caruso euangelion literally in English comes to mean proclaim good news. Proclaim the good message. Proclaim good news. And this is what God gives me in all of my stress, in all of my worry. This just keeps on going on. I felt like I was speaking in tongues. Caruso euangelion. Caruso euangelion. And then I was like, well, I guess it's xenolalia, but that's technicalities. Um, and so, so I'm just praying these two Greek words. I'm going to leave it up here for the, for the entire message as a reminder. Proclaim the good news. Proclaim the good news. This is what we are called to do. And, and this, is where, this is where we've been coming as, as a sermon series. The need for evangelism has never, ever been higher. The need for evangelism. The word evangelism has come to mean the practice of converting somebody from what they believed into a new belief, but that is not actually technically what we're supposed to be doing. We are the work of the evangelist is to proclaim good news. Response, as we've already been discussing, response to the good news is not on us. It's not on us. But the need for the proclaimers. That used to be like a 1980s worship team, the proclaimers. Anyways. Um, but the need for people to proclaim has never been higher in North American church. Romans 10, 14 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they supposed to believe in him whom they have not heard of? How are they to hear without somebody proclaiming, preaching, caruso? How are they even supposed to hear it without the proclamation. And if they've never heard it articulated, how are they supposed to believe it? And if they've never been able to believe it, how are they supposed to call on the name of the Lord for salvation? They are a people without hope. The need for evangelism has never been higher. God's chosen to use his people, the ecclesia, the church, the gathering. That's you and I to tell people about the good news. When we do not proclaim as, as a whole community, this is not like an individual call out. This is as a community. When we as people do not proclaim the good news, other people die. That's what God put on my heart when I was praying about stress about a building. God's like, why, why are you being so petty in your stresses when the things that are on my heart are way more important than where you bloody meet? Amen.
The whole Bible is the revelation of God. So here's the Slack question for you. We're going to engage on Slack. There would be tons on Slack already today. You guys need to read some of what happened in Lectio. It was awesome. Um, but do that after service. We're going to engage on Slack. Have you had a positive experience sharing your faith with someone else? Have you in your whole life ever had a positive experience doing this? If you have, then take a couple words, a couple lines, and just let me know in Slack. What, have you had a positive experience sharing your faith? Have you had a conversation with somebody that, that went well? And you were like, yeah, that was, that was really cool. I'm excited about that. So have you had a positive experience sharing your faith? It's foolishness for us to presume we know God. The whole Bible is the revelation of God, though. So if we do not know and read the Bible, we're not working to become conversant in it, which means we're going to have a hard time proclaiming the good news. We need to know God through the Bible because that's the unchanging testimony. See, some of us, we know God. And, and get this, I hear it so often. People know God and I say, how do you get to know God? And they say, I go out in nature and I look at the trees. I literally had one youth tell me, I had one youth tell me, I know God. And I said, wonderful. That's great. I know God too. And they said, how do you know God? And, and they said, and this is years and years ago, um, the person said to me, I know God because I go into the forest and I look at the bark of the tree and then it changes and it spells words telling me things. And I went, weird okay, how do you know that's God? Well, because it tells me things. Let me pray for you. It was hard. I didn't know what to do. I'm a young youth pastor. I had no clue. I'm like, um, you know God through the changing bark. Okay. It was hard. But we know God through the word of God. Oh, okay, so it's not too late to join Ron Dyer's morning Bible study um, through the New Testament. It's not too late to join that. We need to know the Word of God. Because today we're talking about Caruso Evangelion, proclaiming the good news. See, you got to tell me a story of the Bible. If you could tell the introduction, the problem, the rising action, the climax, and its ending, you have a beginning handle on the gospel message. So, grade nine English, rising action, then we've got, then we've got the, the problem, and it rises all the way to a climax, and then it starts to get into the resolution and the denouement, right? This is the nice little triangle of our short stories. Look at that. We've got to start to be able to say, how is God representing himself in the story of the world? How is God actually doing this in a way that makes sense? So, have you ever had a positive experience sharing your faith with somebody? Someone says, I've never had anything but positive experiences sharing my faith. A few times every week. Someone else says, it's, it's always gone well when it comes up in conversation, but I'm, I'm unsure how effective any of those conversations have been. And, and that was my point. Our, our idea of evangelism is actually, we've made it result-based, Oh, it was only effective if it was result-based, if the person converted. That's not what God puts on us in the Scripture. They just need to hear the good news. 
They need to hear it. So what we've started doing is we've started measuring whether we should or whether we shouldn't speak based on the perceived effectiveness of what we do. And then we say, well, because it's not effective, we shouldn't speak. Oops. We're running things through business metrics instead of by the work of the Holy Spirit. A business metric says that that you find the most efficient means to tell something that gives you the, the greatest percentage of results for your effort, and therefore, that's the model that you should use. And the Bible doesn't give a rip about business metrics. God just says, Caruso euangelion, let me deal with it. Just proclaim the good news. Occasionally, when my teenagers have questions, we have a satisfying, deep conversation. I choose to believe that each time a seed is being watered. Child in the room said, Yeah, I got a Bible verse when I was sharing. A child in the room had a Holy Spirit implant a Bible verse in their mind. It is hard to do it with non-Christians, as someone said. Absolutely. Someone else said that it's mostly positive experiences sharing a faith, but rarely transformative. Absolutely. And, and it's true. It is, it is mostly a positive experience when I share the good news of Jesus, but it's rarely transformative in the person's life. And I'm going to affirm that that is true. But don't let that discourage you. Don't let it discourage you. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. You're called Caruso Evangelion. Proclaim the good news. Okay, so for us to have a good handle on the stories of the Bible gives us versatility to proclaim the story of God. And here's how the apostles did it, how they told the story um, of the Word of God. And, you know, I, I don't know why I went so Greek today. The, the Greek word for this is kirgma. This is the story of the gospel. So what story, maybe biblical story, has helped you understand the good news? So I'm going to go through a passage here, and we're going to just outline really quickly because the passage is 53 verses. I'm not reading the 53 verses. We're going to be here till 1 in the afternoon, and we've got a wedding to do, so whatever. Um, I have a wedding to do. So from someone in this congregation. Anyways, too much. Um, Acts 7, I don't know why that slipped out. Acts 7, 1 to 53. Stephen tells the entire gospel before he's stoned. You want to know Caruso, you and, you and Jelion, you and, anyways, see, I'm going to, you want to know proclaiming the good news and effectiveness? Here's the story for you. Acts 7, 1 to 53, it was extremely transformative. The person died. Here we go. So Stephen tells the story right before he's stoned to death. Without taking time to read the passage, I'm going to summarize the points that Stephen makes. So he starts off with Abraham's promise. If you have a, if you have a, uh, a version app or a, a digital Bible or a physical Bible, you could open up Acts 7, and we could just go through it really, really quick. But verses 1 to 6, the highlight verse in this is, Go out from your land and from your kindred. Go into the land that I will show you. So Stephen knows the Old Testament. He knows the story of, of Israel. And he starts off with Abraham's promise. God is going to show you a land. One to six. The sign of the, pro, the promise 
is given in 7 and 8, but I will judge the nation that they serve, God said, and after that they will come out and they will worship me, and the sign is circumcision. And it's important because it's the physical identifier of the Jews who Stephen is talking to. So Stephen is going through this whole proclamation piece. He is proclaiming the good news, but he's putting it into their context. And he's saying, I will judge the nation that they serve, and after that they shall come out and worship me. So he's saying, you people are being called to worship God, and you have the sign. It's called circumcision. He talks about the Egyptian captivity in verses 9 to 16. And he says, this is your story, people. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And we see that Israel is included into a, a place of, of honor and prestige, and, and, there's, and there's something happening here. And, and, and so he's building the case. He understands Scripture, and he's presenting the good news. Watch what he does next. He says, Moses was rejected by those, by those people, by the Hebrew people, in verse 17 to 28. But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust it aside, saying, Who made you ruler and judge over us? And so now Stephen is saying, here's the problem. Right? Here's the problem. Stephen's placed the problem here. You've rejected God's leader. Uh-oh, now we're getting into it, right? So who made you ruler and judge? This man sent both as, this man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hands of the angels who appeared to him in the bush. This is the point of the good news. God redeems those through, or God redeems through those who have been rejected. That's really, really vital here for his entire point for the proclamation. God redeems those through whom or God redeems through those who've been rejected. God redeemed Israel through Moses, even though Moses had been rejected. Joshua is leading the promised into the promised land in verses 40, 44 to 45. And it says, brought in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before the fathers. So we've seen, we've seen like, okay, so God's coming to a seeming climax, but then, then we come right to the point of the climax. He's proclaiming the good news. He's not worried about business models. He's not worried about conversions here. He's just proclaiming the good news. This is what evangelism is. He says, you stiff-necked people. Wait a second. You just broke every model of evangelism. You stiff-necked people, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. You still haven't made space for God, but God is still faithful. The good news is God is faithful even when his people aren't faithful. We might be tempted to say that this, that this evangelism was a failure. We might be tempted to say, wow, Stephen just let him have it. And he was angry. And he let them know, here's your context. Here's where you came from. Here's your situation. And now you guys are stiff-necked people. You guys have rejected God's prophet through Jesus. You've rejected God's salvation. You stiff-necked people. How is that evangelism? But he's proclaiming the good news, saying that God has always used these people that you reject to save God is the one who is faithful, not you. And then we further criticize Stephen's approach because Stephen, at this, the Bible says, at this, they, they covered their ears and they charged at him and they stoned him to death. Okay, guys, so y'all need to evangelize now. Have a great Sunday. God bless you.
um, rough. So we might be like, wow, it was a failure. This is exactly, this is exactly what was said earlier. I feel like it's mostly positive, but rarely transformative. I feel like I'm, I'm not doing it right. Watch this. Chapter 7, verse 58. The witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Let the gravity of that sit you for a second because this Saul that everybody laid down the garments at in this completely, quote, failed evangelism attempt, this Saul was later identified by God as the one who God would call to change the Gentile nations. This Saul was blinded by God who was brought into the ministry who became known as the Apostle Paul who wrote over one-third of the New Testament. Here's a failed evangelism attempt costing somebody their life changes the course of human history because the young man who sat there feeling convicted as a murderer changed the course of Christian history. There is no such thing as a failed proclamation. There is only failure to proclaim. So what do we learn from the gospel presentation? One, we know that Stephen knew the Bible. Two, Stephen listened to his audience, who they were. They were all Jewish people. You need to listen to your audience. What they identified with. They identified with Moses and circumcision. Who do the people you're proclaiming the gospel to? Who do they see themselves as and what do they identify with? And how can you bring that into the biblical story? What was the pain point? Stephen knew the pain point that they had because they had rejected another one of God's prophets by rejecting Jesus. There's the pain point. So, the solution was for them to see the faithfulness of God through their blindness. Indeed, Saul was blind. Okay, so what story helped you understand the good news? Yesterday, while working along with my marine mechanic, I picked up on how God had provided a specific answer to prayer that very morning. And I was able to share how God is involved in making a way when I could not see a way forward. And he was interested and intrigued that God would answer a specific prayer request. Testimonies are a great way. And I love how this testimony here just applies it to marine mechanics. It's like, hey, this is what worked. This is a proclamation of good news. God is still active. God addresses the pain points. Just a note for the PowerPoint person, we do not have time to do the next one. I was going to take Acts 13, 16 to 44. However, I don't have time to do it. It's Paul and Barnabas. We're going to skip that. But I'd like somebody to put Acts 13 to 64 in Slack so that you guys can go back and actually read it and say, what did, what, did Paul, what did Paul and Barnabas do with the Scripture, and how did they meet their, their peace? So what hinders you from knowing and understanding Scripture? 
What hinders you from knowing and understanding Scripture? See, both Paul, Barnabas, and Stephen, they understood Scripture. They went through the history, the story of Scripture. They were able to say, this point and this point and this point are going to be relevant to you. The thing that you notice when you cross-parallel these two stories, they didn't use the same model. They didn't use the same scripture verses. They didn't use the same characters. They pointed out different things. The story in, in, Acts, um, in Acts 13 really says that, that Paul is actually proclaiming good news to the people in Antioch. And what he's saying is he's saying, you people are special. They're, we've always been focused on Jerusalem, but you people of Antioch, you're special. God's calling you to an amazing thing. And he wasn't wrong. Antioch became the center of Christianity in the first century. The good news. What hinders you from knowing and understanding Scripture? Paul shows how Jesus is what they're hoping for. So Stephen and Paul are saying the same thing, but they're carefully aiming their words to different people, and it influences how do we tell it. So what story do you tell? I would suggest that, that God is always solving a problem. He's always working a resolution to a problem. And when we want to contextualize this, we need to listen. We need to listen for the problem that the person has. We need to listen because every one of us has a problem and it's sin. But how is that affecting them? Every one of us has a problem and there's evil in the world. How is that affecting them? Listen to the problem. Compassionately understand the problem. And then show this is how God answers the problem. The climax is Jesus. The climax of God's answer to their specific problem is Jesus. But we need to be able to show that in Scripture. We need to find ways that, that we know Scripture, and I hope this sermon actually has more to do with encouraging you to know Scripture than it does with getting results in evangelism. We need to know the big picture of Scripture. We need to know the story so that we can find the people we're listening to in the story because they're a part of it. If you have to inform the person that there's a problem, you haven't listened far enough. You're trying to jump to a solution which you don't even know the problem. If you have to inform them there's a problem, you haven't listened. Listen, listen, listen. So what do we learn from today? We learn to know Scripture and listen for pain points. You need to know Scripture because then we can accurately proclaim good news. No scripture. So what stops you? What stops you? Someone says, I often try to make sense, of, make sense in a carnal context rather than the spiritual context. That stands in my way of understanding scripture. Time, study, and devotion, point, prior, priorities hinder. Then I meet somebody who needs to know what I've known so far. Absolutely. I'm going to end with a story. Four years ago, I was at Carrot Fest, which is coming up very soon. We're going to be promoting for volunteers for Carrot Fest soon. I was manning the Promise Church booth. One 
One of my old high school acquaintances came up to me. <clears throat> Hadn't seen him for years. He's a classy guy. And uh, I shook his hand. How you doing, man? He's like, I see you finally, you know, got a church going. Because in high school, everybody knew that I was going to be a minister because I carried around a Bible large enough to choke a mule. And he said, I see you finally got a church going and you're doing it. And he goes, great job. And I said, thank you. That's awesome. You want to you come check it out sometime? You live in Bradford. Come check it out. He said, no. He said, I hate God. Okay. He said, God took my baby from me four hours after she was born. Well, that changed the tone of the conversation real fast. The man is wearing his pain. People in our world are wearing their pain. We need to know. We need to be able to be compassionate and listen. I hate God. I know the anger that he feels is more than I could ever imagine. The pain that this soul is carrying is greater than I can imagine. Yet the good news, the good news to this man is God has not abandoned you or your daughter. He is working to destroy the evil that you have experienced. You have experienced evil. You have, it's not your fault that you experienced this evil. But God is at work to remove the evil from this world. God is the one who can rescue you from the pain. God is the one who is merciful. And his work will bring it to completion. Put your faith in God that he can carry your pain and your anger. He promises us eternal life in peace for those who will put their faith in him. In that moment, at the busyness of Carrot Fest, I share good news while resonating so deeply. I didn't arrogantly be like, oh, you have to do this. I didn't band-aid solution anything. With, it actually brought me to, to like, you know, the tears that are welling up right here. That, that sense of connection. We still talk. It's not the results that matter. If you're a Christian, you care about Christian development and discipleship. Practicing evangelism does more to strengthen your faith than it does to convert people. It strengthens your faith. You can see how God can be at work in your life. And it is good. Let me pray. God, I thank you for these people of Promise Church. Thank you for their patience, and it's hot in here. Um, but God, most of all, I pray that you would reveal to us your scripture. Let us know you. And Jesus, I pray that we would be listeners, listening for the pain points, and understanding scripture well enough to know that your promises apply to their pain. And Jesus, you will see it through because you've been faithful for thousands of years in the past, and you will be faithful forevermore into the future. And with this faith, 
we pray that you would open up opportunities for us to proclaim the good news. In Jesus' name, amen.